Welcome to Best Behavior Creative Club. From the hungry freelancer looking to make their way to the CMO looking to make a difference, this is a podcast for people like you, people that make things and make things happen. My name is Chris McAdoo, and I'm about to take you behind the scenes with experts in creativity, business, and marketing to learn how to drive a business, grow a brand, pursue a passion, and nourish a creative life. Check out all our episodes at designsensory.com slash bestbehavior, where you'll find show notes, links to guests, book recommendations, pictures of penguins, and more. Now, it's time to be on our best behavior. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Behavior Creative Club. I am Chris McAdoo, uh, the second tallest person at Design Sensory, and your host for today's episode, where I get to sit down with Caitlin Googe, who is the uh, marketing director for the Island in Pigeon Forge and has been involved with tourism, social media, what that landscape looks like now and what it's looked like for several years. Just a really sharp uh, a really sharp mind, super creative, and a joy to talk to. And one of the things that we like to do is kind of give a, just a little bit of background information about where our guests come from. And you know, like we say, one of our uh, our, our, our missions is to learn not just what you are doing, but why. And so, uh, what led you down this path, and wh- and what exactly is the path that you are on? Tell the people kind of what you do and where it came from. So I've kind of known from day one that I wanted to be in marketing, probably as soon as I knew what marketing was. Um, I never changed my major in college. I just went for it. And from a young age, I knew I always wanted to be in the travel and tourism space, specifically working with theme parks. Very limited in where I can go. That is what I would call a niche. Yeah. A niche. I, I Yeah. So for what sure. did you, like growing up, just like Disney World? Like what was it? Chris, I have a great story for this. Okay. Funny. <laughs> so I grew up in a family that did not have a lot of money. And we would rarely go on vacations. But when we did, you know, it was on a budget. And... <laughs> When I was in third grade, my dad took us to Hershey Park in Pennsylvania, the whole fam. We stayed in a campground. Um, also got poison ivy there, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. We'll move on. <clears throat> but we go to Hershey Park. It's the best time of my life. I go home. I'm telling all my friends in third grade about how cool this was. Um and they asked me, did you ride the roller coasters? And I said, what roller coasters? <laughs> and they said, at Hershey Park, all the roller coasters. And I was like, there's not any at Hershey Park. Stop killing my vibe. Like, let me keep telling you about the great time I had. And they're like, yes, yes, there are. There's a bunch of roller coasters there. So anyways, I go home. I'm talking to my dad. I'm like, What are these liars, these third grade liars telling me? Turns out we didn't actually have money to go into Hershey Park. Uh, We just went to the gift shop outside. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. But you know, I love that story because in my childhood innocence, the gift shop was enough for me. I thought Uh it was a theme park. It was the best day of my life. Um, And that kind of sparked this love of theme parks for me. And... Now I get to work at, 
you know, one of the top, if you ask TripAdvisor, the number sixth <laughs> best amusement park in the United States and the ninth best in the world. Look it up. Um, but now I get to work there and um, it's kind of come full circle, this girl that was, you know, too poor to go to a theme mm-hmm. park and now I get to work at one and especially the one I get to work at because we're a free admission park. So um, we get to welcome all those people, whether they can afford to go somewhere or not, to have a good time and experience, you know, what I didn't get to experience back then. That's amazing. Thank so, you. So kind of coming from, you know, the the sort of the all the way back, you know, to now, and I'm sure, um, you know, Caitlin, uh, how old is, you have a son. I have a son. He will be four in December. There you go. Um, just best thing that's ever happened to me and tell me a little bit about your job i mean any anybody that's in this uh, in this field everybody knows you're kind of always on your toes you're always working you're always thinking about it and what does it mean to you as like as a parent right to instill some of those same values you know what does that mean to you and how do you approach that that is one of the reasons i love this industry so much i will say i got um I try every day as a parent to be, you know, even half as good of a mom as my mom was Mm -hmm. to us. Like I said, we didn't have money growing up. So my mom would take us anywhere and everywhere she could find that was free. Um, I was probably the only kid going to Civil War reenactments, you know, out at (laughs) Fort Loudon or whatever. Um, We would go to the, you know, Museum of Science and Energy just anywhere we could find um, to spend time together, make memories together. And um, to me, it was just normal to do all those things. And um, having a son now really brings back those memories for Mm -hmm. me and makes me want to teach him about just that valuable time that you have in life. And I may not be able to take him you know, to the store to buy a toy every day or, you know, big vacations or whatnot. But we can always find somewhere to spend time together. And um, that's why I love the Island in Pigeon Forge and why I love working for it, because it's a space where people, parents, friends, families from all walks of life can come together and just escape the everyday. Um, And I want him to know that, too. And it's it's definitely a motivator when I see kids running around on property and they're just having a good time. And um, I just think about my own son and what he gets to experience there. And it makes me excited. So Um, how long have you been like uh, doing stuff in the industry? Um, Well, I graduated from UT in 2013. And that's the University of Tennessee. Um, yes, University of Tennessee, Go Knoxville. Go Vols. Um, I only went to one football game my whole college career. You can edit that out later because I don't want anyone to get mad at me. Um, but <laughs> Oh, no, that stays. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Okay, I will say I'm a huge football fan, just like the NFL. So, um, But after college, I you know, like every college kid thought that just anyone was going to hire me. Um, False. And I had to start from the ground up and I saw this job opening for someone to answer phones at a PR agency. And I was like, I can do that. So that's kind of where I got my start. And honestly, the advice I'll give to every college kid is you're better off you know, sweeping the floor. If you're wanting to be a TV reporter, you're better off sweeping the floors at a TV station than you are being a manager. 
making a lot more somewhere else because at least you're in your lane and you're in your zone yeah and you get to meet people improve yourself and that's what I did I was answering phones making coffee ordering office supplies and one day she said do you like to write I said absolutely let me show you <laughs> and um by the end of my job there I was an account manager managing nine national accounts at a PR agency when I started off making some coffee so nice and um, so I really have been in the marketing field since 2013 2014 but um in the amusement industry since 2015 so so kind of that that story of um putting yourself in a position to to notice and be noticed yeah for putting sure putting yourself into uh, a potentially you know in a in a in a uh, in a position where you may be pushed to do something that oh, I don't know how to do this but you figure it out yeah absolutely you know and also not being afraid to get your foot in the door by doing the dirty work yeah. making the coffee sweeping the floors that kind of a thing absolutely um you learn how to be really resourceful um i couldn't afford a textbook in college so i spent a lot of time copying about 300 pages in the library um so if i can do that um i can be really resourceful with a marketing budget so <laughs> well let's, let's speak speaking of marketing uh, marketing budgets and, yeah. and things because everybody's, you know, working out there in the real world. Um, one of our first questions that I like to ask is um, you're always trying to figure out new things. Where are people? What are they responding to? And how are they responding? So what do you think? What's next? What's going on right now? And what's next? Where are we going? Gosh, in my industry or just for me, in general, let's what I'm about, looking at. Let's talk about you, and then we can talk about all okay. the industry stuff. Um, for me, at the brands I work with in my career, um, I just recently started operating under this philosophy that I'm going to find inspiration outside of my industry, and it's something mm -hmm. I recommend for every marketer. I think if you get caught up in looking at your industry, then you're looking at your competitors, and you become very reactive in your marketing efforts. Um, but if you're looking outside of your industry for inspiration, then you find the basics of what's working for them and then you can apply it to your industry. Um, so right now I'm super into studying CPG marketing, so consumer packaged goods. Um, I'm fascinated by the fact that there are brands, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you're, it's very routine you're shopping for things and you pick up brands and you don't even know why you pick them up. You've mm -hmm. just always, that's the one you've always bought or that's the one that, you know, your hand gravitated towards. Um, but there's a reason why you buy what you do. And I've just always thought it was fascinating that there is someone who's telling the story of that peanut butter or that, you know, <laughs> milk, that brand. Um, and I thought, you know, if I can figure out how these people are marketing something so simple and routine and every day, then I can apply that to something amazing, such as a, an amusement park. Sure. So, um, like the consume, yeah, the, the, the goods and the placement where they are on the shelves, the colors used. Yeah. Although admittedly growing up, I was more of a cereal man. You know, like where it was just spelled correctly on the box, <laughs> you know, or like, like, like so. were you like buying the off brand? 
Yeah. Oh, we were off-brand people. We yeah. Grew up, well, well, I grew me up too. in. I grew up poor. Yeah. No, yeah. I grew up in Sevierville, and oh. you went to the Kroger's. We went to the Kroger's the once Kroger's. a week. Yeah. Yeah. With an S. And and you would know that there were you know there was the fancy aisles etc. Yeah. That you 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 sort of like you stay away from. You know, no, we're not buying you name brand. Uh, you know, whatever it is. But the yeah. Walmart, I Cereal mean, O's. I don't know if any <laughs> CEO of Walmart is listening right now, but the Walmart brand Reese Cups were fire. And you can't find them anymore, so. That's bring them back. That, bring them back. Hashtag bring back Reese's. Yes. <laughs> we can't call it Reese's. No, we though. can't. <laughs> Reese's. Can't be saying Reese's. Reese's. Reese's Cups. Reese's. What is it called? Our, our producer, Brad Carpenter, <laughs> takes issue. You know what? Reese's. Reese's. Reese's or Reese's? I heard some guy say Reese's Pieces the other day, and I was like, oh my gosh. It rhymes. Um, This is a great transition because in my studying of CPG marketing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, one of my favorite, and this is a, a serious, <laughs> Chris is making me laugh. I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> I mean, talking about Reese's, um, Reese's, um, I find a lot of inspiration in watching how brands deal with how they fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a PR girl at my core. So crisis communication and dealing with um, how you address something publicly is really important to me and kind of at the core of what I do in marketing. Um, <clears throat> there was a few years ago that Reese's um, <laughs> released the Christmas tree shaped, you know how they do the eggs every yeah. Easter? They did the Christmas tree ones. Well, it was a massive fail um, because they just looked like blobs they did not look like christmas trees so everyone was reaming them on social media and they're like what are these these look ridiculous they looked kind of inappropriate and weird and everyone was just making fun of them and talk about you know turning a pr fail into a pr opportunity they played off the body positivity movement and they released all these graphics that said all trees are beautiful um you know they said (laughs) yeah we accept all all trees all shapes and sizes and it's what's on the inside that counts and um they released all these graphics on social and really set the tone for their brand so yeah see so that's fantastic that was a good transition good transition there we go yeah well uh, you spend a lot of your time uh, managing, uh, you know, social media accounts. I think your your biggest, uh, you know, account right now is a two hundred fifty thousand yeah. some odd, you know, so so you are interacting all day, you know, with the public and, and all that. So between you know, face Facebook, Instagram, all the different channels and stuff. Where do you where do you see things going? What's hot right now? What's terrible? What you know what. <laughs> I can I can just think of like my you know my in laws Facebook feed and it's just hot garbage. But, it's great. Um, but you know what do you what do you see as the thing to pay attention to right now? What have you been you know being able to take take advantage of? You know, um, I just recently did an interview with Instagram for Business, mm-hmm. and um, it sounds cliche, but you know social media changes every single day. You. Even if it's your full-time job, you cannot keep up. 
it's constantly changing as far as the algorithms, technologies, um, best practices. It's always different. But um, my advice is to stay true to your brand and make sure that every piece of content and every interaction that you're putting out there goes back to who your brand is at its core. So Mm -hmm. for us at the island, that's what's been most successful for us on social. And I think that's what makes us stand out is that we're very authentic and we're very open and honest on our social media. Whereas a lot of brands are a little too scared to be that way. Mm -hmm. Um, They might be a little too scared of the image the images that they're posting or, you know, we don't need to share that story. That's too sad or that's too personal. Um, we go for it and it works for us because it really separates or lets us stand apart in the industry um, and in our community, honestly. Um, whereas other brands come across a little stiff, we try to make sure that we're always relatable and always engaging. Um, you cannot just schedule content and then let it sit there. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we're always talking to people, not only our audience, but, um, our industry, we're talking to other brands in our industry, commenting on their stuff, um, commenting in our community. Um, yeah, just always interacting. Um, and peace be with you, social media managers, cause it is really hard out there. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta read and listen to a bunch of podcasts and then you'll be lost the next day so well hopefully they listen to this one uh you know i hope they do too because <laughs> these nuggets of wisdom are something you're not going to find anywhere else <laughs> gotta, everybody gets a gets free reese's pieces at the yeah. end <laughs> well we, we we've now kind of talked about you know where you see maybe some of the industry trends we've talked about uh, a big win i think you said you know for reese's Reese's Pieces, what about something that you consider the more daring of all this? We've talked about big wins. What about big fails? Like, do you have something that you could point to as a, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened, either personally, professionally, or just out there in the pop culture, pop culture conscience? Yeah. Wow. Um, I guess for me personally, I experienced really bad burnout earlier this year Mm -hmm. um, in my career, really bad and at my job. And I actually ended up taking a job somewhere else for a little while because on the surface, it looked like this great opportunity for me, Uh, more money, better benefits, um, more opportunity. And I went for it and I immediately realized that it was not on brand for me. It was, um, (laughs) it was off track, um, for my vision of my career. And I let other things Mm -hmm. kind of guide, you know, that decision rather than, is this the person I want to be? Is this what I want to do for my career? I looked at it very much so on the surface instead of diving deeper. And it was one of those moments in my career where I had built up this reputation for myself and I had to tuck my tail and come back. And I'm really thankful that I was able to come back. But, um, you know, I think that's a lesson that brands can take as well. Sometimes you mess up and you have to tuck your tail and apologize. Um, and that's going to make you authentic. It's going to make you relatable. And if you're the first one to apologize and mm-hmm. uh, change, then 
you know, people are going to believe that and they're going to be on board with that. And also a, a good lesson that, you know, you may be a brand and, and see this huge money opportunity, this huge off opportunity for profit. Um, but if you look at if you take a step back and look at it and think, is this who we are as a brand? Does this make sense for us? If it doesn't, don't do it. Does not matter? You know, if it's going to make you tons of money, does it fit who you are? Does it fit your why? If it doesn't, don't do it. Mm-hmm. So that was that's my big fail personally. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes those quote unquote, those failures allow you the chance uh, to, you know, be active versus reactive. Yeah. Because then you have to decide to, like you said, like sometimes you gotta be like, I'm sorry guys. Just <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, both personally, you know, as a, as a creative person, as somebody who's out there trying to do things as well as like you're talking about with brands and that sort of authentic self that you're trying to figure out. Yeah. In the words of, um, you know, the great historian rapper, J Cole, uh, he says, the good news is, girl, you came a long way. The bad news is you went the wrong way. So that was me. I felt like I was progressing, uh, but in the wrong direction. Well, now that you're headed in the right direction, you know, and you feel good about the things that you're doing, you feel good about the work that you're doing, what's, you know, what wh- what's that road look like for, for you or for somebody like you that's out there making this stuff happen? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's next. Um, I'm just trying to do the best job I can where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I think if you give it your all in your current situation, um, the next path is going to present itself. Gotcha. Um, One of my favorite things someone told me is you want to ruin something good in your life, compare it to something else. And um, that has been like a driver for me recently because I think the times where I go the wrong way are because I've I've started comparing my career to something else. Um, Authenticity is something that I've been really focused on in my career and with the brands I work with. And um, I want to make sure that I'm not just trying to be, you know, what I think my career is supposed to be, or right. I'm not trying to make our brand what I think it's supposed to be, but I'm making it the best version of what it is. Um, if that makes any no, sense. No, that makes a so, ton of sense. <laughs> I don't no, know. You this try is to speak very to philo- the, well, philosophical. I love it though, because <laughs> you speak, you, you find the thing that you, you, you feel works. Yeah. You find the, the those positive, those those good things, and you want to amplify those good things instead of making up for other things. Yeah, someone told me recently that um, he said it's called being strategically weird. He said, find one thing about you um, that makes you different or unique or is a conversation starter, and he said, play that up. Um, his Actually, this was in college. Um when I first heard this guy speak on this and he told me that he wears his watch on his right hand and he's right-handed and he said, people ask him about it all the time. Um, because most people know if you're right-handed, you're going to wear your watch on your left hand. Um, and it struck a chord with me because my entire family wears their watch on the right hand and we're all right-handed. <laughs> and I went up to him after class as my senior year of college. And I was like, 
thank you for sharing that. I've always been nervous that I was never going to fit into a corporate world. I have a bold personality. Um, and hearing someone kind of say that was okay was really refreshing for me. And I recently reconnected with that person. And that's what he told me. He said, yeah, I call it being strategically weird. So. Dig it. Yeah. That's thanks. awesome. <laughs> well, what before we get into our last, uh, you know, kind of, uh, kind of thing here, it, it sounds like you pay a lot of attention to a lot of things. Are there some sort of top uh, places that you go if they're, you know, podcasts, blogs, articles, Insta feeds, you know, that, that you, that you follow that your teacher, you know, yeah. for instance, or is there anything you, you would love for people to check out more of? Um, I'm a very nostalgic person. So I like to look at old ads. Um, very madman of me, I know. <laughs> um, but I like to look at the evolution of brands, uh, find a brand that I like, and then I look back at its origin and read its story of how it started and then kind of watch how the face of the brand changed and mm -hmm. their story changed over time. Um, that's what I recently started thinking about I told you I was I've been into CPG marketing and looking at um brands like Coke and I was talking to someone about Mad Men and if anyone watches Mad Men you know the the last episode touches Spoilers. on well I won't say what happens my dad has watched every season of Mad Men seven times so <laughs> I'm very well versed, but yes, don't listen if um, if you've never seen. But I'll just say that the last episode touches on um, the famous Coca-Cola ad, yeah. the 1971 Coca-Cola ad. Um, and hopefully everyone knows what ad I'm talking about. It's the, I'd like to buy uh, the world a Coke. Coke yeah. yeah. Chris will sing it later in post. In They'll post. edit it in. There you go. <laughs> um, but this is like the most iconic ad in history mm -hmm. and so i started thinking about who thought of that like was it really some man like sitting with a cig on a mid-century modern couch just you soaked know, in gin yeah and he just like <laughs> he got it um so i looked it up it's actually the only thing i brought to read um i oh. promise i haven't been reading off a script but i looked it up and it's a guy named bill backer who is with mccann and erickson mm -hmm. right um he said, in that moment, I saw a bottle of Coke in a whole new light. I began to see a bottle of Coca-Cola as more than a drink that refreshed 100 million people a day in almost every corner of the globe. So I began to see the familiar words, let's have a Coke, as more than an invitation to pause for refreshment. They were actually a subtle way of saying, let's keep each other company for a little while. And I knew they were being said all over the world as I sat there. So that was the basic idea, to see Coke as not as it was originally designed to be, a liquid refresher, but as a tiny bit of commonality between all peoples, a universally liked formula that would help to keep them company for a few minutes. Um, so that for me kind of revitalized this love of what I do mm -hmm. um, because I thought every brand, every destination in my case, every service, every product has a why and it's not just surface level. And if you look at old ads before this, they were very surface level. Like you can look at Pepsi ads and mm -hmm. they, they literally will say like, sophisticated people drink this. Um, <laughs> and 
it, this was so revolutionary because it told a story without saying that directly. Mm. Um, and I think every brand can be that way. It's um, how to, how do you live your story? How do you tell your story? If you figure those things out, then you can sell your story. I think you can't. You can't make up your story. Yeah. You tell it in the right order. How do you live it first? Yeah. Then you can understand better how to communicate that to others. Absolutely. And then once you communicate and once you live it, then you've earned enough trust for someone to buy into what your, yeah, your story is. So, um, yeah, I would say that's my, just find those brands that you love and figure out why you love them. And then those basic principles you can, share you know in your industry or in your specific profession dig it Thanks. well i think that that was a, a great segue into the last sort of uh, the last sort of piece here which it yeah. kind of answered but maybe you've even got a better one where instead of saying why when someone is presented with a creative idea or something like that like when is in your personal experience or your pop culture conscience someone said well, why not yeah. When somebody came with an idea that was groundbreaking or just fun or different um, and they and they took off with it, where do you think is a great example of that? Oh, I will give like a little professional piece of advice I heard and then I'll tell a personal story. Um, I listened to a guy named Duncan Wardle, who used to work for Disney, uh, speak one time. And he said when he goes into brainstorming sessions that they don't allow the word like no or but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in their brainstorming sessions he says everything that someone says they say back yes and and they play off the idea so no matter what it is they say yes and you know we could also do this and then the next person will say yes and we could also do this mm-hmm. um that way no idea is off the table um so for me that's something that I try to do. And, you know, we always have operations people that bring us down to earth and say, yeah, cool. But we also (laughs) don't have $2 million in our budget for that. Um, So there's a line you have to draw, but I think to have it open and out there that you are willing to listen Mm -hmm. is nice. Um, For me personally, um, when I left my first career job at a, a PR agency, I was pregnant and I needed to find a job where I made more money because I'm a single mom and I mm-hmm. needed to to take care of my son and I had worked it out on my Excel spreadsheets exactly how much money I needed to make to send him to daycare and be able to, you know, do what I needed to do. And I had found a job literally just making cash under the table for this uh, woman who's a lawyer. And I just randomly met her and she was like, hey, do you want to come work for me? I need help just filing papers and stuff on the weekends. And I said, okay. Um, And she became this like mentor for me. And I told her, I was like, I've got to start applying for jobs, um, but I'm pregnant. No one's going to hire me. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, don't just apply for jobs. She said, apply for your dream job. And I was like, why? Like, I'm sitting here trying to suck in my belly so people, you know, are going to listen to me. And she said, there will never be a time in your life where you're more resilient than you are now. 
Um, she said, you're in survival mode. So failure is not an option. So she was like, apply for your dream job because you're going to get it. If you weren't pregnant, if you weren't about to be a mom, you won't get it. She's like, but do it and you're going to get it. Um, and so I did. I applied for the job I have now and I got it. So that was a time in my life where someone said, why not? When I kept saying, you know, but this, but this, no one's going to hire me. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not mm -hmm. good enough. Um, it was quite the opposite. It was this moment in my life where I realized that, you know, now's the time. And I made it happen. And here I am. So. Whoa. That is awesome. That is Thanks. amazing. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think that's an incredible story to take. What One of the things that we like to talk about is it's not just about that first time out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about doing something well once. It's about having the fortitude, the knowledge, and the professionalism to say, no, this is the thing I want. This is the thing I'm going to pursue. Yeah. We talk about uh, here the pursuit of a passion. Yeah. Not following. Right. Because if you pursue it, you are taking action, mm -hmm. you know, towards that. And I just think that is a, that is fantastic. Thank you. It's been quite the journey. My career and my personal life have gone very hand in hand. You know, from the beginning of talking to you, I talked about my childhood and just growing up the way I did kind of led me to love and want to do what I'm doing professionally. And then experiencing a big hiccup in life where, um, I just didn't think I was ever going to have a career. I thought I was going to have to start fresh. Um, that, to me, is the reason I have a career, that hiccup in life. So, um, yeah, it's all, uh, I think it goes back to what I was saying about authenticity. Your journey is very unique, and it's very your own. And if you live it and breathe it and tell it in a way that's <laughs> true to you, then people are going to love it. Because businesses fail, but brands are resilient. You're, and when I say brand, I mean you, you personally too, you have sure. a brand. Um, when you are so true to who you are and who, and you know, who your brand is and the story that you're telling, you cannot fail. Um, a business will fail, but a brand <laughs> cannot. That is my speech. There we go. Parting words from a wise <laughs> woman. I absolutely you. love it. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, for your time today. Do you have anything else to add to the good folks out there? I've got, you know, uh, have me back in a few months. Yeah. Maybe I'll experience another big fail that you guys can learn oh from. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that's all I got. For well, now. thank you so, <laughs> so, so much, uh, Caitlin Gouge from the Island and Pigeon Forge. You can learn more about uh, what she's talking about at theislandandpigeonforge.com, and it's on all the social platforms. Yes. And then um, Katie, or, uh, Caitlin is on uh, Instagram. Yes. Oh, he said Katie because my Instagram handle is Katie My Lady. It's no, it's not just Katie My Lady. It's Katie My Lady. With three Y's. Yeah, three Y's. Someone stole the one Y. I like Katy Perry. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. I have, you know, guilty pleasures. Celine Dion, Katy Perry, um, Little Debbie Cakes. You know, everyone has their downfalls. <laughs> Reese's, so. Reese's, 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 Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. 
On that note, I want to thank everybody out there for listening to Best Behavior Creative Club. Uh, Check us out. Uh, Please leave reviews if you've enjoyed this episode, and please don't be afraid to share with all of your friends, neighbors, enemies, in-laws, and uh, and pets. (laughs) Till next time. Okay. Oh, quick bonus. If you guys have made it this far, so we're kind of wrapping up, we're taking pictures, we're high-fiving, we're getting our skateboards ready, um, and and we start talking about, uh, we're going to take take a photo, and, and we're going to take some selfies and stuff for social media, and Caitlin says, I got to take this for LinkedIn, to which everybody <laughs> in the room is like, wait, what? So talk to me. Tell me exact the exact sentence that you just said. What did I say? You I'm said, really LinkedIn, LinkedIn is, the is best. My, I did. I said LinkedIn is my favorite social platform, and he was mad at me for keeping that nugget of information away <laughs> from you all. But you know, I didn't know. Okay, I'm actually I at my core when I first started my career, I did B2B um, public relations. So LinkedIn was like very important for that. I anyone, I don't care if you're 18 and like just started college, you need to have a LinkedIn. Um, I post on mine like a couple times a week and mm-hmm. honestly I just post about anything obviously career related but I'm authentic on there too I mean I posted a picture the other day of me holding a cinnamon roll uh, just eating it so <laughs> just eating it it's the same picture I used on my my dating profiles too but um yeah, I would highly recommend staying really active on LinkedIn. And as a brand, I would recommend that too because you're um, that's the way you recruit. Uh, also, if you're a B2B business, that's the way you get business is just exposing, having exposure on there. Um, I really could do a whole class on LinkedIn. I don't know. What do you want to know? What else do you want to know? We'll go next. We're, that, we will leave the people wanting more. Because literally everybody Truly. that's listening to this podcast <laughs> also went like, no, that's not it. No, so it is. We yeah. will. So until Caitlin visits us again, she will return where we will talk yes. about LinkedIn and other exciting things. Thanks again. This is Chris Thanks. McAdoo with Best Behavior Creative Club. Hey, thanks for listening uh, to Best Behavior Creative Club. I really appreciate it, and I hope you enjoyed what you just heard. Best Behavior Creative Club is a Design Sensory production and a DS original series hosted by me, Chris McAdoo. We're produced by Brad Carpenter and executive produced by Joseph Nuther. Sound engineering by Hunter Foster and music by Matt Honkinen of Pitchwire. Design Sensory is an award-winning, full-service branding research, advertising, and digital agency based in Knoxville, Tennessee, the best place in the world. You can fight me for it. If you like what you heard, make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, etc., etc. And if we made your commute or your romantic walk on the beach a little more bearable or just a little more romantic, please leave us a review or drop us a line at bestbehavior at designsensory.com. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Now, go make something great.